Christia. Yes. What the fuck are you doing in Alberta? You fucking traitors. Get the fuck out of this province. You don't belong here. You're a traitor. That's the boorish, vile language of a man harassing uh, Christian Freeland over the weekend, and now we know the RCMP is investigating, stating that, quote, it takes threats against public officials seriously, which I would say, well, that's kind of debatable. But, you know, given all the attention that this particular incident has gotten, I don't think anyone should be surprised by this development. I think the first place my mind goes to is, well, you know, we know how helpful Commissioner Brenda Lucky has been to the prime minister's office these days. And so they're proactively announcing this investigation, which in this country, I mean, we barely get information from cops. I, I talk about on the show where we don't get nearly enough transparency from the cops. And here we are with this grand announcement that the RCMP is looking into this particular incident, you know, uh, uh, of the fact that they say physical action and statements made in person and online can have a significant impact and can be against the law. Okay, fine. We can all agree the guy berating Freeland was a boor. Maybe he stepped over a line, but the question has to be, what law did he break? Trespassing? Uttering threats? Intimidation? He was incredibly rude, but take your court of public opinion aside and your emotions out of it, what law was actually broken and would it stand up in an actual court rather than what we always turn to these days, which is the court of public opinion? My next guest isn't so sure. Ari Goldkind, joining me now, a criminal defense lawyer. Good to have you. Great to be with you. You put out a tweet yesterday that caught my eye and you said there's much to be concerned about regarding the RCMP's actions here and them publicizing this. If you want a surefire way of making millions of Canadians think that the police are being weaponized against one side and one side only, this will do the trick. What concerns you? You know, it's, I think there's a bigger story here at play than what I think anybody who has a modicum of sanity in Canada would agree that this man should be publicly shamed in the courtroom of public opinion, as you referred to it, this man was vile and a boor. You can be on his side and still think what he did is reprehensible. And if you don't, then you probably don't belong in the public discourse. But when you have a concern to me where Marco Mendocino, who is, in my view, respectfully, anything other than a public safety minister, in my mm -hmm. view, he is actively with his government making this country less safe on a daily basis which for anybody who understands how the sausage is made, this gentleman is a mm -hmm. former prosecutor. He knows, right. mm -hmm. he knows what proof beyond a reasonable doubt is. He knows what due process is. When he comes out a couple days ago and says that what this boor and vile pig of a man, and I'm not hiding that. I think what this man did is shameful and reprehensible. And he did cross a line and we'll come to the laws in a moment. But when you have the public safety minister clutching his pearls, and saying in a January 6th-like session where he's being recorded, this is essentially Canada's January 6th. What happened to Krista Freeland is a threat to our democracy. That is, to me, such a fundamental perversion of what the idea of a democracy is, where there will be people who cross the line. There will be people who are pigs. But we don't sick anti-social media uh, in full disclosure to you, I never call it social media, okay? Mm -hmm. I just don't. When you have 
millions of Canadians seeing that a government that was elected with 31% of the vote, essentially saying if anybody disagrees with them or comes close to the line, they're a threat to democracy. We've seen how that's been weaponized in the United States. So it would be perfectly proper if the public minister came out and said, look, the idiots who are doing this to any MP, because somehow, Alex, the public safety minister and his government are always silent when this is done to anybody on the other side. And I can give you five live examples of silence. Well, well we could go to when, the Coastal Link uh, gas pipeline where you had um, a number of uh, um, construction workers who were literally held hostage while um, you know protesters went and, and, and surrounded them with axes and destroyed, causing millions of damage, lighting things on fire, and actually putting their lives in danger. We heard nothing about this. Yeah, and here's uh, a funny one. That wasn't think- too long ago. And here's a funnier one. You can go back two decades, literally two decades, and Stephen Guilbeau, however you pronounce his name, sure. who, who, who is really a big fish in the liberal government, he climbed aboard uh, mm-hmm. a very, very well-known politician's house with his wife home. Uh, you know, with, they thought it was a home invasion when he worked for Greenpeace, which I have no problem with full disclosure, and went on top of somebody's home, a very prominent politician, and terrorized their family. He's now a cabinet minister. So my concern, Alex, is, you know, we can get into the laws in just a second if time permits. But if there's a goose, there's got to be a gander. And uh, my problem here is when the RCMP, as you quite astutely said at the beginning of the intro, keeps their lips silent as many police forces do when the public goes, well, why are we, why do we not know who the suspect is? Why do we not see a mugshot? Why are we not being told who did X, Y, or Z? Now you have the RCMP coming out and and making this proactive statement, which they almost never do. The, The back or the answer to that will be, well, very few other people are the deputy prime minister. She's a different fish. I can understand that. But when you're bellyached for about two years now about the rule of law, the rule of law, the rule of law, it just concerns me that there will be a very significant portion of the public that will think that this is being weaponized so long as you're on the wrong side. And full disclosure, I'm somebody who thought the use of the Emergencies Act and the freezing of ordinary average Canadians' bank accounts were meant not to scare those people but to silence dissent and participate in an actual democracy, that was the message sent to Canadians. Well, yeah, I I mean, look, there's so much to unpack on just that chapter. I mean, if we're going to talk about undermining democracy, this government itself has done it many, many times, whether it's the Emergencies Act or SNC or Mark Norman or, 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 or. But the bottom line is you have to take your emotion out of these cases. And I I know that because I covered courts. And so you have to look at this as to whether or not a charge would stand up in court. And uh, frankly, based on what we saw in that video, and maybe I'm missing something, but there, you know, other than the fact that he was a boor, there's nothing in his language that is an actual threat or uttering threats, or um, I don't know what the crime is other than being a boor, and we just don't have charges for that. Yeah, so here, here let, let me just give a little bit of legal background on that. There could be, as much as I don't think there should be, Alex, which is a big difference, there could be charges. You had mentioned intimidation. That is yeah. one that could could be in the ballpark given the following and she happened to get away from him because she got into an elevator now i don't see in the video that he followed her into the elevator but if he did to me there is now a clear-cut crime harassment 
is also on the ballpark here. It doesn't have to be repeated. It doesn't have to be your ex who won't let you go calling you 50 times. Threatening, I don't see here. You're quite right. The language here to me doesn't rise to a threat. The one, Alex, just that I'll be quick here because I don't know how much time we have. The one that is the catch-all and used every day now and twice on Sunday, almost always to go after the wrong side, is the charge of cause disturbance. That's the one that would be very easy to lay in, as I'm sure you've seen over the last two years or two and a half years. That's the one that almost always gets weaponized against people who are the deplorables of Canada. I'm sure you get what I'm saying by that. Mm -hmm. And almost Mm -hmm. never used for anybody on the other side. That would be the easiest one for the RCMP to charge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that the takeaways I think people have to understand is is that you got to park your emotions, and and in a lot of these cases, uh, you know, especially with the the truckers, like you can look at uh, Tamara Lich or Pat King. Um, I don't like either one of them. I, I would, I have no time for what they did in Ottawa, but when I look at their cases. Um, I mean, Tamara Lich has spent more time in jail than some of the worst criminals we've seen in this country. Uh, Pat That's King will not serve a day. Way. I mean. Well, okay, but well, but Pat King. That is I mean, factually served, true. I mean, you're not right, being hyperbolic. So, she has actually right, spent more time than many bad people in, in pre-custody, you know, in pre-trial custody. So, uh, when people are saying, "Well, good, she deserves it," that's not how our system works. You have to take your emotion of whether you hate the cause. Um, you can't treat people people differently because there's already precedent set with other cases. And so, when you see different rules coming in for different people based on who they are or how much they annoy us, that is a very big problem. It undermines our entire system. And so, I I worry that people hate these people so much that they're willing to say, "I don't care. I just don't like those people." So it's fine to happen to them because it will swing around and happen to you. I always make that point, which is they tend to forget. And to me, there's a rule of thumb in the last two, two and a half years, largely as a result of anti-social media. When they say you're being anti-democratic, they're the threat to democracy. When they're saying they're a victim, they're the victimizer. When they're saying they're oppressed, they tend to be the oppressor. And we tend to forget just who Christian Freeland is. As much as she didn't deserve that, as much Mm -hmm. as it shouldn't happen to anybody's wife, daughter, and by the way, husband or brother, I would dare say that Justin Trudeau on a daily basis gets much more than 14 seconds that Christopher Freeland got. We are dealing with the most powerful people in the world who often want to play victim to the people that really have no power and no measure of ability to grow in this country. And I always think that the left, and it is the far left or the left, that always seems to, to succeed in this area. What happens if Pierre Polyev becomes Prime Minister. I would be just as disgusted Absolutely. if Pierre Polyev tried to silence or intimidate, to use those words, anybody, or went to Twitter and said, somebody was really mean to me or my wife, let's get the RCMP or the Toronto Police Service on them. That's how I approach these things. I don't know why I'm uh, dying out like the dodo bird, or you and I are like unicorns on that. Yeah, well, look, I think when you, uh, I think a lot of lawyers are probably seeing it like this, but nonetheless, uh, we are ruled today by the court of public opinion, which is unfortunate, does us no favors. Nonetheless, Ari, appreciate your time on this. Thank you. Great to be with you. That's Ari Golkine joining us. So we'll wait and see what they find in their investigation, which they will lay out for everyone to see. It'll be the first time ever that the RCMP has been laying it all out. It might not be the popular opinion. I'm just saying, this is not how we generally work in this country.